Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, a special report from Milano Design Week. For the 61st time, Salone del Mobile, the biggest trade show for design, furniture and lighting took place in Milan this week. It's taking place, I should say, when we record this. It's a return to its original spring slot after the pandemic and with it a series of events, exhibitions and product launches across the city. Today, we will get a report from the event and talk about our favorites from the show from both established brands and -and up-and-coming designers, including Alcova, Casina, and Prowl Studio. Why fashion brands are betting on the design week. Louis Vuitton, Fendi, Loewe, Hermes, the works. Everyone's there. Nike's new sustainability initiative and our impressions from Euroluce, the lighting exhibition that takes place every other year. My name is Konrad Olsson, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and recording from Milan, our editor-at-large for design and communication, making a comeback on the show, Elenia Martini. Elenia, how are you? Hi. I would lie if I tell you that I'm not tired. <laughs> as it should be. As it should be. You've been walking around Milan. Um, and welcome back to the show, by the way. Always great to have you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so let's get into it. I love that the fact that you are there right now, so you can give us the vibe straight from from the source. Uh, the show is back in its original slot, as I mentioned. It's been four years since uh, they held the show in April, obviously due to the pandemic. That's what, right. What's the general mood in the in the industry? There's uh, everybody seems to be glad that we're not in that crazy heat of last year in June. So mm. the weather we've been blessed with good weather, except for two very long rainy days. But that didn't stop anyone because the city is bustling with people from all over the world. Uh, attendance has been reported to be uh, high, uh, back to pre-pandemic numbers. I feel like the design industry is kind of the, the the last industry that had to pick itself up after the pandemic because I think uh, since uh, lead times are so long and you know putting a show together is is much more uh, you know logistically challenging than say a fashion week which we cover. Uh, so uh, I I imagine that our uh, you know friends at brands and editors are happy to. To be back, so let let's get into some of the impressions. Uh, you wrote an article. We should say it's up on scandinaviamind.com about uh, you know pr- prior to the show about some of our favorites. When you've been walking around now, can you let's get into some of your favorites to begin with? Yeah, sure. And just to confirm that is true, challenges with construction and so on have been a real thing. Everybody mm. has been struggling to get everything done on time. So exhibitions have this year been a challenge. Mm. But uh, walking around, I would say it feels very inspiring to to see so many people and so many exhibitions uh, back and the morale is very high. Um, there is this year a uh, split in three uh, sections, let's say, because Salone del Mobile has... The Euroluce, as you mentioned. Mm. And uh, the fair this year for the first time has been restructured. So that has been uh, 
yeah, an adjustment for a lot of people that were used to the classic uh, structure of ground floor and upper level. Mm-hmm. How, so, how, now, so how has it been restructured? So anyone, who, who, if you haven't been to uh, Salona, it's it's the, one of the biggest trade or, or fairgrounds in the world, I think. It's just a huge yes. area. Uh, you know, I've been many times, uh, you know, it's been a while, obviously. Uh, but so how has it changed? Uh, the upper level is closed. So mm. the pavilions on the upper level are no longer accessible. So everything happens on the ground floor, mm-hmm. uh, which in a way uh, allows people to uh, waste less time in commuting between all the different floors. Right. So everything is accessible uh, very easily. Um, although it feels a little bit smaller and more compact. Um the structure within the fair halls has been kept the same, but brand positioning has changed due to the fact that the upper levels are no longer accessible. Mm. Uh, so there, there were, of course, fights for positioning. <laughs> Who has the biggest budget wins most of the times? <laughs> That's it should be, yeah. And uh, we saw some crazy things this year in the sense that people went all in. Some uh, historic uh, Italian brands have actually tripled uh, their space. So we're looking at a fair stand of 4,000 square meters uh, on uh, two floors with proper staircases. Wow. And so it, we're looking at proper architecture, mm-hmm. which is a first. Uh, and they were, I would say, the talk of Salone del Mobile. And, and I'm talking about Minotti. They have really, uh, they really went all in. And uh, uh, overall, the feeling is there's a lot of outdoor furniture, mm-hmm. uh, which is new. Uh, the more established brands have actually split their booths and they have quite an extensive outdoor uh, furniture selection as opposed to previous year where the outdoor was its own separate uh, brands had their own outdoor focus and Mm. mostly they were outdoor brands but now it's uh it's spread throughout and i and i say it's a reflection of how we've lived and how life has changed over the last Few years. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, is there a lot of talk about that? I mean, I, w- I would imagine since, you know, the show is kind of back in its full swing, but the world is so different from, from 2019 when it, when it had this, the same kind of format. Uh, and obviously, you know, outdoor furniture, to me, it, 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 it speaks to the fact that we're spending more time at home, I guess. Is there a lot of talk about the, the changing nature of the home throughout the brands and the, and the, and the, and the exhibitions? To be honest, uh, not really. Are people um, just pretending that everything is back to normal? Is that the yeah, vibe? Absolutely. Like nothing happened. <laughs> everything okay. is just like back to pre-pandemic times. That's, we don't want to talk about the pandemic or any changing no. behavior at all. Okay. No, absolutely not. Uh, that, that was the general feeling. So mm. the only, the slight shift in perception has been with the outdoor, the amount of outdoor furniture. Mm. Uh, so it's it's quite evident that that's the only big change. Mm. Uh, there's no longer uh, the the spaces have been divided and presented in the same manner as pre-pandemic times, and actually budgets have 
yeah, for some companies, they have shrunk so much that they're not even um, showing anything during this Milan Design Week. But for others, the b- budgets have just doubled compared to previous years. Mm. Let's, let's, bring it, let's talk about some favorites, uh, some of the brands you, you, that caught your eye and that you liked. I would say uh, Galotti Radice did a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they split the booth in a very classic yet modern way, brought lots of styling, good use of materials, colors. Uh, those would say, I would say they they called my name. And it, one thing I noted, there's a lot of fashion brands doing uh, many different things during Design Week. We've seen this before, how, how fashion is kind of approaching Design Week and using it as a platform for product launches and, and, and so forth, uh, kind of elevating their brands. I don't know why, really. I, yeah. I guess because a lot of, you know, you have a lot of uh, um, a press attending, so there's a kind of a synergy effect there, but, but many of these brands also have uh, home collections. Uh, yeah. What have you seen there? And let's be honest, they it's a great opportunity to get eyes on the home sections yeah. or the, the home extensions. And this year there's been like a couple of, uh, yeah, exten- uh, extensions into the home and lifestyle field for both uh, fashion brands, but also uh, uh, historical uh, brands that have dipped their feet into that sector. Big exhibitions have been by Loewe, which every year uh, goes into the the Italian architecture with exhibitions and furniture, that it's more like artistic uh, pieces. Uh, Louis Vuitton uh, has done very big, very expensive. Uh, Not my taste, but of course... Not everybody's piece of cake. Uh, Fendi, Home, Hermes. Hermes was actually my favorite. Mm. They were for another year in a row at La Pelota in in Milan, which is quite an iconic location. And they have done this year a very simple uh, exhibition, very, very stripped to the bare minimum, but the pieces are actually really beautiful. And of course, what you would expect from Hermes, the attention to detail, was quite uh, was quite beautiful. Uh, details on both the pieces of furniture because they're showcasing uh, chairs and a sofa, but also textiles uh, with blankets and carpets. Those have been really really nice. And the mm. events, of course, this year were quite unique as well. Hermes came up with a performance. Uh, with uh, dancers and uh, other brands, uh, Ginori, the Ginori 1735, the iconic uh, Italian brand from Florence, came up with the first home uh, uh, extension with uh, with the Swedish uh, studio-based uh, Nikketo Studio, and all of that has has happened this year. Performances, live music. And those are not specifically for the fashion brands, you mean? That's overall, different yes. types of experiences and performances. Yes. Ah, so there, there was also like a very good one to point out outside of in Fuori Salone, the Bairedo um, exhibition mm-hmm. with, uh, for Balda Freak. Basically, Ben, ben Gorham has called uh, this artist to curate this beautiful space in Spazio Maiocchi uh, that has actually... 
it's a blend of history, design and arts. So it was actually quite refreshing to see something that was not another piece of furniture during the design week and take it a little bit uh, um, outside of the scope of, of a design week, which was really nice. Yeah, I was going to ask because what, what what's your impression on uh, you know, are, are the fashion brands and, you know, in the case of Barredo, uh, a, a, a beauty brand that, or a fragrance brand at heart, do you feel like they kind of, are they intruding the design week or are they actually adding something uh, to the, the experience there? Um, do you think they, do they have a place or, or is it just like uh, the design week is becoming more of a platform for different types of expressions moving into the kind of art and fashion and other other areas? I would say the latter because it has, of course, you you hear criticism around by the hardcore design fans that are like, this is not furniture. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, it brings a little bit of lightness to the whole thing. Right. And there's just uh, so many sofas that you can look at uh, during the same uh, day. So that kind of freshness. Uh, and in the case of Bairedo, both... Uh, uh, like uh, from a sensor, like sensory uh, mm. approach with the fragrance and so on, but also with the look and feel of the space, uh, was really refreshing. You you just it's like resting your eyes on something that it's beautiful and you mm. get the history and uh, it was really well curated. Good good job for them. Uh, wonderful to hear. I mean that's what design weeks and fashion weeks uh, kind of are for. Uh, I feel every time I go to one of these, uh, you know, events, you always come back when you're the the the, ex the experience of being present on site. And if it's a fashion show or a design launch or one of these experiences that you mentioned, it's it's one thing to experience it uh, when it's happening. When you come home, you kind of realize, oh, this was something that was kind of almost off topic uh, because if you're going to report on on the actual news and what's happening in the industries. Sometimes some of these things feels really uh, disconnected. It's just something uh, that's that's a PR thing. It's good and bad, I guess. I mean, it, it's a wonderful thing to to experience. Um, but going from the fashion brands, I know Nike was also doing something yes. uh, with, with a great kind of sustainability initiative. What, what was that? That was something, it wasn't, it was only launched uh, towards the end of the week. Uh, yeah. In this case, yesterday, which was Friday. Uh, so it wasn't open for perhaps all the visitors that came in uh, for the beginning of the fashion for design week. Mm -hmm. uh, they did something in a former bread factory with the team at Nike that is called ISPA team. And they are in the, let's say, they're leading the, the innovation, the technology that's behind it. And basically it's, it's a forward thinking design collective. I don't know any other way to explain it, yeah. but they did this beautiful, uh, very uh, small, but very creative exhibition divided in three areas where basically the focus was circularity of both materials and um, the way, the, the way of working. So both on a display uh, from a display point of view, the graphics were really beautiful, almost like uh the high school looking, you know, uh, yeah. chemical tables with uh, all of the graphics and so on. Uh, very beautifully done uh, with the, 
using actually the former bread factory as a way to display the different deconstructed pieces that mm-hmm. then end up being recomposed together into several different shoes. And was it actual uh, shoes displays or was it a yes. product launch for the shoes? So this was a way of, of yes. doing it? Yeah. Yes, a way of doing it and a way also of explaining the actual process. And they they did a very beautiful exhibition and they actually were kind of one of the very small group of brands that touched on sustainability and most most brands actually looked the other way so nobody really discussed why are we launching so many new products because you ask yourself those questions is there mm. a need for all these new mm. uh, products uh, apparently Nobody's asking those questions at the moment, or very few are. I don't want to be overcritical, but Nike really talked about that, the circularity of it. Well, I think it speaks volumes that it's a sneaker brand that has kind of one of the most standout sustainability initiatives uh, at Milan uh, <laughs> Design Week. It's and, you know we, we, We've talked about this before. This is one of my pain points with the design and furniture industry, the lack of, of, of uh, sustainability efforts. Uh, and uh, we can talk at length about that. But were there other in- initiatives that you saw? Uh, Alcova has been uh, yet for another year the point of attention for a lot of visitors and uh, yeah press as well because mm. the space it's in a new location this year. Uh, it's in a place called Ex Macello, and of course it's quite vast and it has a very good mix of both uh, independent artists and uh, designers with um, yeah, let's say brands that are known but not the really high-end brands mm-hmm. that have their own space mm-hmm. very beautifully curated and uh, I would yeah recommend anyone else that is in Milan this week to step uh, like go check it out uh, there's uh, some um, uh, exhibitions within Alcova that also touch on sustainability uh, from independent designers. And there's like new materials being uh, explored, like hemp uh, uh, for uh, chairs, like the Prowl studio that we talked about uh, in the article. Uh, and then there's the classic uh, spaces like Rossana Orlandi, that they are the icons in Milan when it comes to uh, design spaces. And they've also had a beautiful, uh, uh, they have a beautiful exhibition there as well. They've asked a group of designers to use the same piece of wood that has been, uh, that basically because of a thunderstorm, uh, a, a big, huge uh, branch fell or a tree fell and they asked the designers to use the same piece of wood and find ways to, to use it. So some designers came up with a table like the the Rome-based studio, uh, Nessi Studio. They've done uh, quite a sculptural table and others chairs, seating. So very creative in that sense. Well, it's good to hear about these projects, but it feels to me almost like they're these these are conceptual projects, or they are coming from kind of up and coming designers like like Prowl Studio. 
I have to touch on this. Why is this, do you think? Why doesn't the design industry uh, have more projects uh, that talk about uh, sustainability, uh, the way we use materials, uh, you know, carbon emissions, all these topics that are so prevalent and, and present in, in kind of society today? I think the good thing, let's start there, is that a lot of brands are indeed coming up with re-editions of products with mm. the use of new materials that are, let's say, friendlier to the environment. But I still think that, and maybe this is very harsh of me to say, the aesthetics of a good exhibition is not to be compromised with with anything else, actually, because what sells, it's a beautiful yeah. set, it's beautiful furniture uh, displayed in a beautiful setting. So mm. the more historical or well-established brands are not touching on any of these topics at all. Some, some have been talking about uh, producing, uh, let's say, chairs that could be completely disassembled and then disposed, uh, but they're still glue. Um, so it's, it's very, let's say, the majority of well-established brands this year just looked the other way and did not, did not want to focus on this. Well, the majority of established brands are looking the other way. Uh, it, it kind of makes me depressed and, and speaks volumes that yeah. uh, <laughs> the biggest sustainability exhibition was done by a sports fashion brand, Nike. Um, but we praise all uh, the the um, initiatives that are there and hope that the design industry is moving in the right direction. Um, when we've been talking today, um, we haven't mentioned that much of the Nordic designers. I think it would be interesting just to touch upon uh, who was there or, you know, why they weren't there, because it feels like uh, a lot of the, the Swedish uh, brands were kind of betting on the, the Stockholm edition that was earlier this year, or maybe they're going to Copenhagen uh, in a month during the three days of design. What's your, what's your impression on, on kind of the, the Scandinavian or, or Nordic presence at, at, at Milano? There wasn't much uh, happening, actually. Uh, hmm. Of course, uh, we had Vesberg at uh, Euroluce, but in terms of, yeah, Scandinavian brands, there wasn't much actually, which is understandable in a way because budgets here are much uh, higher compared to like Stockholm Editions or Stockholm Furniture Fair. Uh, but on the other hand, it's the limitation of always like focusing on the market that you're in and not doing great at export. And that is also, you know, uh, Scandinavian brands, Achilles heel. Uh, so that is, uh, if I, if anyone is listening of those brands, I would recommend you look into for a salon and spaces and do something there because there, there is opportunities and Norwegian pres presence uh, every year does their exhibition. And that is always like high quality and um, yeah, they were present this year as well. Mm. Uh, but of course there were lots of, um, Scandinavian designers and brands just walking around the halls without uh, exhibiting in this design right. week. Lots of inspiration and networking, mm. I imagine. Let's Absolutely. touch upon a, a couple of things before we round up. Uh, you, you mentioned the Euroluce, which is a lighting exhibition that only takes place every other year. You mentioned Vespa, a Swedish uh, lighting company, did some things. 
what were your impressions from from Eurolucia and why is 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 it relevant do you think that that uh, uh, this is happening well it had highs and lows uh, because of course there were the more established brands like floss did mm. beautiful architectural installation in their booth nothing compared to previous years where they exposed uh, in a space outside in their space outside uh, the fair premises Mm. But Aerolusha is quite important when it comes to uh, lighting. And lighting has been, together with outdoor, a big focus this year because also uh, other uh, installations in other palazzos were all about lighting. And uh, that has had a big impact. Of course, it's um, there's a lot of innovation there when it comes to technology. The lamps are getting smaller, leaner, with less... Uh, Uh, visible tech and even uh, we were talking earlier about Casina even brands like Casina have made their first launch into lighting uh, yeah. introducing uh, uh, pendants and table lamps uh, within their collections so Aerolusia I would say this year of course Floss has been uh, my favorite um, uh, and of course news from uh, the renowned designers like uh, Borolek, Gerchik, like all of those names are there with news for, for Floss. Good good to hear. Okay, so rounding up now, you are uh, we're doing the recording from your hotel room in Milan. Yeah. I'm happy that the internet connection uh, was able to to withhold this this recording. Uh, you're you're going to do uh, one or first. two more days. <laughs> yeah, you're going to do one or two more days in, in Milan. What is there something that you haven't seen that you you're looking forward to that we should should mention? Haven't seen a lot. Um, this morning, I'm actually planning on going uh, to see this art uh, exhibition from a New York-based gallery mm. uh, called Gallery Filia, which is in a, a deconsecrated church. Uh, and it's supposed to have several designers, um, of which exposing work, uh, exhibiting works from Rick Owens and things like that. So hopefully that will be as exciting as the press release I read. Wonderful. Eliana Martini, our editor-at-large for Design and Communication. Thank you so much for doing this report from Milan for us today. Thank you, Conrad. Thank you so much. And I should mention, Ilenia, all beside from being a wonderful podcast guest, is a ta- wonderfully talented writer that actually wrote. I think it's it's by now it's the most read article uh, online at scandinaviamind.com, uh, a feature from our third print issue, the interview with Jesper Kautoft of Teenage Engineering. I just wanted to mention that wow. because it, that has become kind of a viral article uh, the past six months. What it's, an it's, honor. It, Yeah, it, well, it's a wonderful article, and 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 people keep coming back. It's a wonderful interview, a, a rare, close interview with Jesper Kautoft. But but uh, so I just want to give you uh, the credit for that. Thank uh, you. And and it speaks to the the um, the very intense community uh, that is around Jesper and his work because uh, there were some uh, Twitter accounts that started uh, quoting this article and linking to it, and it just bl- for 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 a few weeks it just blew up our <laughs> our our uh, traffic on our website well very well let's make more of that we should and uh on the note of print magazines we are actually launching our fourth print magazine next week 
you can now pre-order it. Go to ScandinavianMind.com and you'll get a link to our uh, distribution partner, Papercut, uh, one of the wonderful uh, magazine stores here in Stockholm that is distributing our magazine. So go and sign up for that. Also, if you don't uh, already, sign up to our newsletter. Visit ScandinavianMind.com slash newsletter not to miss out on any upcoming content and events. Uh, until next time, thank you, Lenia, and goodbye. Thank you.